Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So as I was talking about this day spa, just like it was like last year, right before Christmas, and they just up and closed. And everybody's like, well, wait a minute, we've got all these Christmas gifts and whatever else. And it was like, well, sorry. Sorry, folks, spas closed. Moose out front should have told you. And everybody's just standing around going, what in the world? Now, that isn't necessarily what happened with Purdue with Jeff Brom because I think, you know, everybody kind of knew that if Louisville was ever going to open up, that Jeff Brom, especially this time around, um, you know, had indicated that it, the timing was probably going to be right. Alan Karpik joins us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline to talk about exactly that. He is with on3.com. Of course, Golden Black, where where you have known Alan, that now part of the On3 network. And Alan, that's a fair statement. Would you agree in the fact that, look, I I know that Purdue fans are disappointed to lose Jeff Braun because he did good things at Purdue, but at the same time, I think everybody in the back of their mind kind of knew and understood that home was home, right? Yeah, I, I don't think there's any question about that. I mean, I think it, it, you know it's not uh, it's not a loser's mentality to to accept reality, I suppose, in that situation. And and yes, I mean there was no no surprise or little surprise at all. I think the the big surprise, the thing that we may now find out down the road is, you know, I don't think this was orchestrated months and months in advance because I think the Satterfield defection or uh, to to Cincinnati was a surprise um, enough so that, 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 you know, it wasn't like three weeks ago this was planned. Now, again, if the job had been open or if Satterfield had been fired, this is a former Louisville coach who's now at Cincinnati, um, you know, in the middle of the year, different deal. But so that's the only, that's the only intrigue is that I think that it did come up uh, from what we can gather uh, because I think that Satterfield at Cincinnati was a little bit of a surprise. Alan, do you know if Purdue tried to, in a financial way, pitched Jeff Brom to stay. Obviously, they extended him back in April, and he's pretty well compensated. But any final pitches that included any sort of bumps or promises, anything like that? I, not to our knowledge, and I, but I, I do have a little bit of knowledge, inside knowledge there, that I don't think that there was a, a major move there because what do you do in this situation? I mean, this is a guy that uh, has been pretty clear about his intentions all along, uh, even what he said last summer on the, on, the, on the stump, so to speak, down in Louisville kind of made it clear. So, no, I, I, I don't think – I think you get, you get him in the room and say, uh, is there anything we can do here? And that's one question, and, and then you move on because uh, there wasn't anything Purdue was going to be able to do in this situation for, from everything we can gather. Again, Alan Karpik is with us on 3.com. If you are Mike Bobinski, the athletic director at Purdue, what do you think the profile looks like for your next head coach? I got to believe it's an offensive guy, or at least somebody's got access to. You know, Purdue football has got a does have a brand of. It certainly Jeff Brom built that back up uh, by being a, a little bit of a no holes barred, uh, fun football to watch. You know, if you go back, Purdue has yet, and it's go. You have to go back to the 1930s since Purdue has had back to back winning coaches. I mean, that's how long it's been. Wow. And uh, but 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 that has been a situation where you go back also to even to Jim Young in the 70s, Joe Tiller, Jeff Brom, the common thread is, a little, you know, yes, each of those teams had school, had 
defenses that were decent from time to time, but it was an offense that was a big part of things. So I, I think that's Purdue's uh, M.O. I think Mike Babinski gets that. I think that they, the, the fact that Jeff Brom brought so many fans back to the stands, why? Because it was fun to watch. And uh, they were interesting. And, yes, you had Rondale Moore and David Bell and George Karloffis. I understand that. But uh, I think fun football and putting people in the stands and being competitive uh, are going to be the things that you, that you want to have from a coach. And I don't think that, that necessarily means a big-name guy. I, I, you know, who knows how this is going to play out. It's really, it's really intriguing from that standpoint. A couple of questions that I have, Alan, about the direction. But l- let me begin with this. Is it possible that we're all going to sit here and overthink this and look, you know, and scan this wide net on who Purdue's next coach is going to be? And in reality, they just go, hey, we're just going to go from one Brom to the next. And they just retain Brian Brom in the position where he's going to be as the interim. Or is it pretty much a foregone conclusion that after the bowl game, he will go with his brother? Well, I don't know about the latter uh, in terms for sure. I mean, we understand that Brian has looked at other opportunities. I know he was in in the running for Kentucky. Um, So you got to remember, he's 15 years younger than Jeff. And and while they've certainly had a working relationship over the years, I I think it's fair to characterize him as a little bit different. There was some some surprise that he was named that he didn't go to Louisville right away. But that's, I think, because Brian's kind of his own dude. And uh, I, I would be very surprised that they would, that they would turn it over to Brian at, at for the head coaching job. Uh, and I was a little bit surprised with the interim, but I also think it makes sense because what guy do you want to have play in the bowl game? Uh, number 16, Aiden O'Connell. And uh, I, I, and I, and I'm not saying Aiden's a very loyal guy and I don't know for sure what his intent, but you've got to, you got to have an offense to run. And it's a real challenge. I mean, to be honest about uh, putting a coaching staff together, uh, this is, you know, a, for Purdue, this is a big bowl game. I mean, uh, at least a, a high end bowl. Purdue hasn't been to, to that level of bowl uh, since, uh, you know, since the Citrus Bowl back in 2004. So, uh, I, I, I think that it did surprise me a little bit, but I don't expect them to, to turn the turn the reins over to Brian on a full-time basis. Alan, the reality is that the Purdue head football coach is a big vacancy and a big position to shift from one man to the next. Um, and in addition to that, Purdue is about to do exactly that in terms of on the new year, so just three weeks from now, they will transition from Mitch Daniels as the university president yeah. to Dr. Mung. I hope I'm saying this correctly. Dr. Mung Shang, am I saying the name correctly? Yeah, that's correct. Mung Chang, yep. Um, do we know? You know, Mitch Daniels, I think, understood the business aspect of athletics and having athletics be a conduit in terms of fundraising for the university, for the branding and marketing of the university. Do we know yet? the new administration where they fall in terms of their aggression or their, you know, same school of thought in terms of athletics? Well, that's a good question, but I think it's pretty clear. And we're and the only place you need to place you need to look is the board of trustees um, and, and their role. Uh, you know, Mung has not talked a lot about athletics necessarily, though. I think he's, I think from everything I understand uh, he's, kind of in the Mitch Daniels vein. You got to remember too, when Mitch Daniels came to Purdue, very fiscally conservative, he still is, but he was, he was not all bullish on athletics. 
either. But you look at you look at uh, from the from the big time spending version of athletics, I should say. And I think that changed to some extent, uh, to a great extent. And why did that change? Because guys like Mike Berghoff, Indianapolis guy, uh, the chair of the board of trustees, the athletic department liaison for years, really uh, had a lot to do with saying we're not gonna, we're not we're not going to play second fiddle anymore in football. And that came to the fore in my view, in 2016, in December of 2016, when they hired Jeff Brom and paid good money to get to a program that was an absolute dumpster fire uh, in terms of attendance. So uh, the point is, is I think the board is clearly behind keeping this. Uh, they understand the need to keep fans in the stands. They And I think there's limitations at Purdue. I, I don't see a Mel Tucker type situation at, at all, but I do see, you know, that uh, Jeff Brom at the end of his contract, had he stayed at Purdue would have been over $6 million. I, I could see that number being if they had the right guy and somebody that they felt that they really had to get. And I just think the board of trustees is very aligned with Mike Babinski. And I expect that Meng Chang, uh, once his tenure begins on January 1st, uh, will be in the same boat. Getting the search underway for the next head football coach for the Purdue Boilermakers, Alan Karpik from On3.com is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Alan, a couple of names that I've been thinking about. Uh, one would be Dave Clawson from Wake Forest. I, I kind of look at Wake Forest as somewhat comparable to Purdue in their standing within their own conference, an offense that scores a lot of points. He's had great success there. And then I think Bill O'Brien has got just an – a, a great resume. I, I know in this market, people probably view him negatively for some reason with how like the Houston Texans kind of unfolded, even though they went to the playoffs four times in his six full seasons there. Um, your thoughts on those two names and maybe some others to keep an eye on. Well, I, I think Dave, Cla- everybody would like Dave Claus and he's a guy that, uh, you know, it has, has proven that he can win at a place that's some somewhat similar to Purdue in the marketplace. Um, uh, you know, I, from what I understand, and we have a couple contacts that know him well. Um, he's a guy that's very comfortable down there, likes likes the Wake Forest atmosphere. Uh, but you know, again, if if you can double it, if you could pay him enough, maybe so. And certainly, he has got a very very well respected situation. Bill O'Brien's interesting. Purdue obviously has a new 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 uh, deputy AD that worked under Nick Saban uh, and, and is uh, Tiffany Grimes, who's head of foot does direct contact with football, even when Jeff Brom is the head coach. Uh, she's just been here for a year. So there's going to be a contact there uh, without question. Whether he's a good mix, uh, match, uh, certainly his, his background would get your attention, certainly because he'd been at Penn State, had had success there, had some level of success, with, certainly with the Houston Texans. So uh, I think he's interesting. I, I, I would put him a little on the outside just because I just don't know if this is the move that he'd want to make. Uh, but I do think those are two very interesting candidates, and uh, it's just it's just going to be a little bit of a crapshoot to, to, to try to determine uh, exactly which uh, which way they're going. I do know one thing, guys: they're not calling us to tell us uh, what moves they're making from day to day, and, and searches have become so uh, you know that's secretive. They just become good at it, and there's ways to be able to keep it keep it quiet. But uh, trust me, we're working uh, hard to figure that out. Any names on your mind? I know Jamarcus Shepard, former Purdue assistant to Paul product, has kind of been a popular one within the program lately. Uh, anybody else that you're keeping an eye on? Well, I think Tyson Helton is an interesting guy from Western Kentucky um, just because uh, it's, it's interesting because the parallels to, to Jeff Brom coming from Western Kentucky. 
Uh, he's obviously done pretty well down there. He's got kind of that same offensive approach to things. I, I think that makes him very, very interesting. As you mentioned, Dave Kloss, another one that was in the mix last time, but I'm just not sure he's a match, but I don't know. Troy Calhoun at Air Force, I obviously runs the option there. Ooh, but, you know, I love the triple option. He is a guy that could create, uh, you know, is he flexible? You know, I, I go back, Purdue fans go back to a guy named Jim Young, who was a Hall of Fame level coach at Purdue, uh, was a passing guy to some extent with Mark Herman, the quarterback, late 70s, early 80s, goes to Army and runs a triple option and has a tremendous amount of success. My point is, in a guy like Troy Calhoun, is he adaptable to, to, to I think Purdue needs to throw the football, but, or at least be unique. Yeah, and the triple option would be unique. I don't see that as Purdue's brand, but that that would be an. He's an interesting guy. Obviously, very very well respected, and has done it done a good job uh, at Air Force, and has made them very competitive in a situation that uh, uh, is always challenging there. But you know, it's funny. I always look at our our hot board, which we have on the site right now, and I say, do you bet? Do you take the field, or do you take our somebody? Is somebody on our hot board going to get the job? Uh, we hope so. Uh, from our and we've been lucky over the years to be pretty good at this but uh, I don't know this is a challenging one because it's just really hard to know uh, what the what the landscape is like and exactly where Mike Babinski Mike Berghoff and company will land uh, when they when they but I do know one thing uh, I think time is of the essence that's stating the obvious just because of the, it's different than even was in 20, 2016 when Jeff Brom came and they hired him on the 5th of December but they started a week earlier. But, you know, the transfer portal, all those types of issues really make it uh, important uh, to be able to get somebody secure pretty quickly. And, of course, uh, National Signing Day uh, in, in about 10 days from now. So all those things make time uh, important, but it's a huge hire and you want to do it right. I was going to say, do you, if you had to guess, what's your time frame? Like, when do you think? God, that's a lot of things that you got to think about with the time frame. I, I know. I mean, I if yeah. – it's so I, interesting, I'd say, Alan. I'd say five or, I'd, I'd say if, if all things were the same, this is a somewhat silly, flippant answer, but five o'clock today. I mean, it's not going to be five o'clock today. I get that. But I do think that the portal and all that stuff and all the action that's going on, not just potential players leaving Purdue, which Purdue's had a handful already, uh, even before Brom made his announcement, but uh, uh, just the, the, the access. I mean, it's the new recruiting, and you need to have your brand in place and kind of have a direction. But I think if you're Mike Babinski, too, you, you can't miss on this hire. I mean, it's, it's you got to get the best person. So if that means waiting – you know, do you wait for a – and I'm just throwing that name out there, and I don't even know the context, to be honest. So Willie Fritz from Tulane uh, is going to coach in his bowl game in all likelihood, uh, one would think, unless you unless you pay him enough to not do that. And I'm not even – you know, Willie Fritz is on our board. Don't get me wrong. I don't have anything to make me believe that he's a top candidate. But my point is, you know, you have to figure that out. And, and if you wait around, uh, are you willing to wait for a period of time to get the right guy? Uh, I guess it really depends when you're sitting across the table uh, talking to somebody about trying to figure out the time. But I think it's you try to do this sooner than sooner than later if you're Purdue, just because of the, all the state of flux that uh, your roster is going to be in over the next uh, few weeks, and everybody's roster is going to be in college football. Alan Karpik is our guest. He's on the Payless Lookers Hotline. Alan, I've seen a lot of people, and I I don't blame them. I, I wanted kind of your reaction to it. 
I, I like we said, I don't think that people have an issue with I think deep down everybody understands why Jeff Brom would go home. Home is home. I totally get and respect that. Did he mishandle it in terms of acting like business as usual between the time that this clearly was on the front burner and when he accepted the job? And by that I mean talking to recruits and players and that kind of thing. That uh, time will tell on that. I, I you know, I, I think guys do, you know, because he was in he was in recruiting homes on Monday night wearing a Purdue, you know, wearing Purdue garb, uh, talking to guys in Indianapolis, et cetera. Uh, I don't know that that's, uh, you know, he was still at Purdue. And I, I guess you can look at it that way. That will be an interesting thing to to determine over over the long period of time is uh, how that will play out. I think Jeff Rahm is generally known as a guy that's pretty up and up guy. And uh, even though, uh, you know, if, if half the recruiting class goes to Louisville, maybe people are going to feel a little bit different. I, I get that. But, uh, but yeah, I, you know, so that's, that's an interesting thought the fact that he was, uh, like I said, in, in a ha- houses on, on Monday night is, is, or is an interesting proposition, but I think that'll probably, this is my own opinion, that it will have its way of working its way out. It'll probably be okay. We talked about, you know, obviously Brian Brom, people that are perhaps in-house for Purdue, how it affects them. Um, in addition to that, let's, let's real quickly, Alan, kind of in conclusion, talk about others that are on staff and what this might mean for them as to, you know, who would be retained, who would be on their way out, Mark Hagan for example, and does Purdue look strictly inside the family in the beginning uh, in terms of guys that have gone elsewhere but have Purdue ties? Uh, I think they look – I think the Purdue tie thing for Mike Rubinsky, if you're talking about the head coaching job, uh, is, is, is a very minor situation. But Mark Hagan is a very interesting situation because – uh, he was out recruiting for Purdue last night, as we understand it, and wearing Purdue garb. I know that Jeff Brom wants answers, I, I, from what we understand, at, at Louisville sooner than later. Mark has been a Purdue guy, an Indiana graduate, but been a Purdue coach for a long time. That one is really interesting to see how where he goes. And I don't, to our knowledge, at least as of this morning, we don't know for sh- that uh, any full decision has been made. Uh, you know, again, we know that Brian Brom is going to be the being the interim coach, but uh, Mark Hagan is probably the only one on the staff that I have some real intrigue about the possibility of him staying around. But I don't think that Mike Babinski and company can guarantee a guy because they don't know what they're, who they're and guarantee him a place on next, the next staff, because obviously you got a head coach coming in. That's going to have to have some flexibility on his staff uh, when he comes to Purdue. Alan, last one for me, a concern over, some Southern Indiana guys, Brady Allen, young quarterback, thought to be the future. Devin Mockaby, of course, breakout guy this season. You know, two guys from kind of the southeast or southwest corner of the state. And could they be going to Louisville, Jeff Brom? Good question. Um, certainly, uh, you know, in terms of both of those guys. Uh, and and uh, that will be a good, interesting storyline. We don't have anything to tell us differently uh, at this point. Uh, Devin Mockaby, obviously – you know, Jeff Brom didn't give him a scholarship, but did give him a chance. And I'm sure that there's there's some close tie there. But anybody's guess on that one, I, I really don't. I really don't even want to hazard a guess. I think it's going to be a storyline, certainly, of those two guys because they're both guys that uh, that are figuring prominently. Certainly, we already know about Mockaby, uh, but certainly Brady Allen's a, a guy that uh, that they liked. And I'm say, not saying he was the guaranteed starter next year, but he certainly was going to be in the mix. Uh, for for the 2023 season. 
Going to be already a wild 24, 48 hours for you guys over there on On3.com and certainly going to be that coming up here the rest of the week leading into the bowl game, January 2nd, Citrus Bowl for Purdue with LSU. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Great stuff with us. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Thank you. Quite frankly, when you talk about sports in the city of Louisville, basically the order goes like Secretariat, Muhammad Ali, not even in that order, probably Muhammad Ali, Secretariat, Rick Bozich in terms of Sports Pillars down in Derby City. Rick joins us on the program, is kind enough to do so. He has, of course, uh, been a long-time, long-time sports writer in Louisville, WDRB.com, where you can read his work now. He joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Rick, I'll begin with this right out of the box. From the Purdue side of things, I think, this seemed like an inevitability at some point that Jeff Brom was going to end up at Louisville did it always seem that way as well from the Louisville side that as soon as there was an opening, the timing was now going to be such that Jeff Brom was the guy? Absolutely. Um, I think the only thing that was surprising was that it happened this year. And I'll say that in terms of after Scott Satterfield um, kind of turned the season around this year, Louisville started two and three, then they won five of six. Um, I think people thought that he'd done enough to keep his job. I think we sort of miscalculated losing the Kentucky game again. Um, I think what happened was he talked to the athletic director and wanted a couple more years on his contract and maybe a raise and was told no. And he was able to find a way out uh, to another Power five, 5 job. And once he went to Cincinnati, I think we all knew what was going to happen. Rick, can you explain how the Brahms are viewed in the city of Louisville? It's the first family of football. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I moved here in 1978. Uh, I met Oscar, actually, the dad, because he worked for the same company I worked for. I worked for the newspaper. He worked for uh, the Bingham's owned like four or five different businesses. He was an accountant for the radio and TV station. He was a former star football player at Flash A High School, which is the same school that Paul Horning and Howard Schnellenberger played at. And then his brother, Greg, his son, Greg, Jeff's older brother, uh, was a wide receiver at Trinity who was a marginal, probably D1 athlete, and Schnellenberger was smart enough to offer him a scholarship, and Kentucky didn't. Uh, he came to Louisville a year ahead of Jeff, and then Jeff, uh, as I've written about many times, turned down Notre Dame, turned down Ohio State, turned down Tennessee, and came to play for Louisville when Louisville was playing in a minor league baseball stadium, and all they had was the dream of Howard Schnellenberger talking about Louisville football program being something. Uh, so he's been all in on Louisville football for many, many years. And then obviously, you know, more than a decade later, younger brother Brian came along. He coached him. They won the Orange Bowl, and he was a coach here. And the Brom family DNA is strong at Trinity High School, which is the number one high school power here in town and at the University of Louisville. Plus, Jeff also coached uh, a short-lived arena football team here. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're the family of football in Louisville. Ken Rick Bozich is with us, WDRB down there, um, WDRB.com down there 
in Louisville, and he wrote earlier this week that it was time for Louisville to make that call and bring Jeff Brom home. They indeed did that. Rick, from what you know about the Purdue job, because obviously you cover Indiana a decent amount and and, right. and have an right. understanding of the Big Ten Conference, just like in a vacuum, what's the better football coaching job, Purdue or Louisville? Well, I, mean, I actually grew up in Gary, so I was around a lot of Purdue oh, people. Nice. I'd say in a, in a vacuum, without the connections, um, you know, I'd have to say Purdue uh, because it's in the Big Ten and moving forward. Uh, with the Big Ten um, vision of expanding the conference, the Big Ten network revenue money, you know, the, it's like SEC, Big Ten, ACC is, is a notch below. But this is an unusual situation. It, it, you know, it, it, Jeff Brown's not going to leave Purdue to go to Wake Forest, to go to NC State, to go to Pittsburgh, to go to, you know, Virginia Tech. He's only going to leave to go to Louisville. Uh, and so, you know, I, I get what you're saying. I, I'm with you. I mean, Purdue is – it's not, you know, an ideal job because we all know what the challenges are at Purdue. You're in a, in a league where Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, uh, probably Wisconsin have more going for it than Purdue does. But the Big Ten has more cachet than, than the ACC. But for Jeff Brom, this was a better job. Rick, there might not be any way to know this, I guess, so my apologies if it's unfair to ask you at this time, but do you have an idea yet or has there been any inkling as to when Jeff Brom arrives, how much of West Lafayette he brings with him? And by that, I mean staff and roster. I don't know about roster. I really don't because with the transfer portal, I mean, anything's in play. I, I haven't heard. Um, anything about that. In fact, we haven't got to talk to him yet. He's going to be introduced, I think, later today. Um, I, would, I mean, I'm sure Greg will be coming. I would think Brian will come. I know he's going to coach the team through – he's the interim coach for the bowl game, correct? But I, yeah. I, 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 I'm pretty sure he's interested in the job, but I didn't see his name listed in the West Lafayette paper as one of the candidates, and I doubt Purdue uh, would go with a guy with no head coaching experience. Then after that, there's a lot of guys on that staff with local connections. I mean, David Elson was a coach at Western Kentucky. Um, Garrick McGee coached here before with Jeff Brom. He's the receivers coach. Ron English was a, a coach here at Louisville under Steve Cragthorpe when Jeff was here. Uh, there's, a, there's a Ryan Wallace. His dad is the head coach at St. Xavier, uh, which is along with Trinity. They're the two football dominant programs in town. He's a Bowling Green, Kentucky native, I would think he would come. So I would think there'd be a, a pretty large pool of those guys coming. And um, but I don't know for sure. I've, I haven't I haven't been able to get to Jeff, and I've just heard stuff on the periphery. Can Rick Bozich with us? WDRB.com down in Louisville. Rick, how would you kind of characterize where Louisville's at NIL wise compared to maybe others in the ACC or others in the Midwest? I think they're ahead of the game. Uh, Louisville's football's recruiting under Scott Satterfield was bad for the first three years, and I think he was told last year when he almost got fired um, that he needed to change. And they invested more in the recruiting office. They brought a couple of guys in to take care of the NIL stuff. Um, And for a good while, until the last week, they had a top 25 recruiting class lined up. Now, they had a running back yesterday from Texas who decommitted and quickly committed to Texas A&M. But they have a bunch of kids coming from California, and I think one of the first things Jeff Brom's going to do after he gets here is go to California and try and tie that class down. Uh, and their NIL um, 
um, program is very strong. And the, what you have to remember is Louisville is a big town with no pro sports. And the success of Louisville basketball and the success of Louisville football is very important to people in this town. And I think they figured out that, you know, they have to get in the game NIL-wise, and I think they're, they've, I think they're ahead of most programs doing that. Rick, can you possibly fathom – you've been in Louisville a long time. You've covered sports down there you know, a long time. Can you possibly fathom, if you go back 25 years ago, if I'd walk up to you and say, you know, the day's going to come where you're going to be doing a sports radio interview in Indianapolis, not because of the basketball team, but because your football program is going to be plucking away the coach at Purdue and the basketball program is going to be 0-8. I mean, what in the world is going on with Louisville basketball? No, I couldn't fathom that, and that's <laughs> funny you say that, because every time I walk into the KFC Yum Center, and I've gone to every home game, every exhibition game, and every scrimmage this year, because in part I wanted to be there for Kenny Payne's first win, uh, I walk in with Jerry Eves, who's a former Louisville basketball player on the 1980 championship team, and a couple other media people, and we look around, and there's five or 6,000 people in a 20,000-seat facility which is nba quality facility and look around and say can't believe this is louisville basketball but you know it's it didn't get this way overnight this has been a five-year process and um i'm not sure if they've touched bottom yet but because they're probably going to lose the next two and get to zero and ten but it's uh it's been yeah it's beyond belief i mean Gosh, unbelievable is, is it kenny payne or did he walk into was Chris Mack old mother Hubbard and he left the cupboard empty? I mean, what what, what the hell happened? Uh, the cupboard's pretty empty. Um, they don't have very good personnel. I don't think they've made the best use of the personnel they do have. They've been unlucky in the beginning. They lost their first three games by one point, but the last five games they've played against, you know, more power five level teams. They've lost by an average of, of I think, close to 27 points. They haven't even been competitive, so – uh, whatever flaw you can have, they've shown them all. They, they're, they've had more turnovers than assists, I believe, in every game they've played. Gosh, that's not good. So Florida A and M is that what we're looking? Is that we're, we circle in the calendar for that one a week from Saturday? Is the first win? Florida A and M, yeah, that's the same day Louisville actually plays Cincinnati and Fenway Park in the bowl game when they go against Statterfield's old team against his new team. It's the same day, so that's. So a week let's, from Saturday, the city will be on tilt. Let's, yeah, they'll let's be carrying Kenny Payne down 4th Street after that Let's win. add into that, like, 25 years ago. Hey, listen, the day's going to come where 0-10 Louisville's going to get their first basketball win when the football team's playing a bowl game in Fenway Park. And their coach is now coaching the other team. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, my goodness. I mean, yeah, I mean, you guys have followed what's going on. I mean, this place has been like a reality TV show for, like, the last seven right. or eight years. It's it's always something outrageous happening in this town. Always. Rick, you're, you were all over it earlier this week. Uh, as Jake said, tons and tons of history. I know our paths haven't crossed for about a decade, but always remember you down there when I was at IU covering Tom Crean's early years. So good to hear your voice again and uh, appreciate the insight. All right. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me.